about to read from scripture, but it's not just reading a book. How many of you guys know that we don't just read the Bible, the Bible reads us? It prophesies to us about a possibility that we might live in a greater way, in a bigger way, in an abundant way, which Jesus paid for on the cross. So, I'm excited. <laughs> Open your Bible, Luke chapter 2. We're going to read the very same verses of Scripture that were shown in the video. And, uh, but I'm going to read 21 of them. Lovely story. We read, we get some insight here about the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And we've been talking about Advent, which means the arrival comes to us from the Latin word Adventus. And so it means the arrival. And we've been studying the themes of Advent so far this month. And uh, this week, we have the actual birth, the actual arrival. And the theme that we'll study is joy. Because how many of you guys know when Jesus arrives, joy shows up? Okay, y'all ready to read? I'm ready to read. 21 verses of Scripture is going to be fun. Verse 1, I'm going to read all the way to verse 21, so you're going to get your Bible in for the day, all right? If you didn't do your daily reading this morning, we have plenty of daily bread to serve you today, okay? 21 verses of Scripture from Luke chapter 2. So engage with the story. It's a beautiful story. Verse 1, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Everybody say Jesus. It's a beautiful, wonderful story. Very ordinary story. Notice they didn't even say his name. They just say her firstborn son. It's very ordinary words to be using. But then something extraordinary happens next. And it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Everybody say, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And I want you to get this right here, verse 16, because... There's a factor at play here that all of us can apply to our lives. 
and they went with haste. You can't miss that. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that this, that, that they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. It's amazing. Ordinary shepherds brought extraordinary words. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart, pondering them. And the shepherds returned. They returned back to their ordinary. Glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days when he, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your son today, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Messiah. We thank you for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That even as a baby, he ruled, he reigned supreme over all of us. And because he's come into the world, joy is ours. Joy is ours. And today for any of us, that are not bubbling over, overflowing, absolutely gushing with joy. God, I pray that you would transform us in this place today, God, that we would be so filled with the joy of the Lord that we would leave out of this place not just smiling, but that on the inside, Lord, that we would be just slam-packed full of joy. I just pray that today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. So today, I want to speak to you from the subject of joy in the ordinary. This is a weird way to talk about joy, I think. But as I looked at the story of what was happening, and I'll recap it for you real quickly. But as I looked at the story of what was happening, I began to become so fascinated with these ordinary shepherds. Now, I don't know about you guys when you read this story, but I'm like, these shepherds are just doing their ordinary, just observing their sheep. Like, it's one of the watches of the night. It's nighttime. They're out in their fields. They're watching their sheep. They're observing what's happening. And these shepherds who were ordinary, doing an ordinary task and living in an ordinary time, are really representative of humanity in that moment. Like, if you think about it, humanity was in a very ordinary moment. They, they weren't really expecting anything to change that much. I mean, there was some different things happening politically, but even the prophetically prepared Jewish scholars of the day were not ready for something so cataclysmic as the birth of the Messiah. They were scripturally prepared. They were incredibly researched as to when the Messiah should show up. But even those people were not ready for something so spectacular to happen. It was a very ordinary time. And even if you look at Mary and you look at Joseph, these two, this couple, in fact, were ordinary parents. I mean, despite Mary being a virgin when she conceived, she was otherwise ordinary. She was a completely ordinary person. And uh, yeah, other than the whole thing of the immaculate conception and the virgin birth and everything, uh, she was a pretty ordinary person, right? And um, so... You know, the Christ is born, and uh, very ordinary shepherds are the first people that God thinks to notify. 
which I think is so fascinating. I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but when I read this story, I think about God finding me in my ordinary. Because I don't know if it was like this for you, but for all of us, I would think God found us in our ordinary. We were doing our routines, right? We were going about life in the best way that we thought possible. We were going about life in the way that we knew how. And then all of the sudden, without really much fanfare, the Messiah, the advent, the arrival, the birth of Christ in our own lives happen in the midst of ordinary, very ordinary circumstance, extraordinary encounters, which I don't know about you guys, but I would say that encounters make all the difference. Extraordinary encounters take ordinary people and cause them to become exceptional because they're carrying what encountered them. You know, when you think about what happened with the, with the angels and the shepherds, you know, at first they were really afraid, but then all of a sudden you see as they look and behold the angels, they don't just see the angels, but then they see the glory. And that's what happens when you have an encounter with God. You step into a place of the glory. That's what encounters are. But what's awesome about encounters is that when you leave that place, that secret place, that place of encounter, the glory goes with you. And for all of you in here who are thinking, how do I get more anointed? Can I give you a secret? It is spending more time in the secret place. It is spending more time with encounters. It is spending more time with the angels. Because when you step into a place of the glory, the glory doesn't leave you when you step out of that place. When you step into the presence, you become saturated with the power. For a long time, there's been some confusion between the power of God and the presence of God. The presence of God is the glory of God, but the power of God is the anointing. And so if you want to grow in the anointing as an ordinary person, none of us are exceptional. I mean, we're all sinners saved by grace. We become saints through grace. Amen. And I'm thankful for it, but we're all ordinary. We all pretty much do ordinary things. We all watch, you know, binge watch Netflix. We all are going to eat quite a few Christmas cookies, unless you're on a sugar detox like I've been for the last seven days, which is not of the Lord. But, you know, I've done it, and, and I'm, I'm pushing through. And, you know, I'm an ordinary person, you know. I'm, I'm six days in. I want Chick-fil-A. I want that Chick-fil-A sauce, just the nectar of the angels. I mean, I just, I just want it. But I'm an ordinary person. I mean, I don't know about you guys, right? Would you say I'm an ordinary person, right? But see, that's what encounters do. Encounters make ordinary people exceptional. Encounters transform normal people to becoming anointed vessels to be used by the Messiah. And this is what's happening with the shepherds. God burst into their ordinary. Now, I'm not sure if your experience with God for the first time was like this. But with the shepherds, at least, the first response, and I think it's an appropriate response, to this encounter is fear. Fear. Now, to be honest, like TBH, like fear is an appropriate response to an encounter with the living God. Have you ever read what uh, Paul said in Hebrews chapter 10? He said it's a fearful thing. Some translations say it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. The Apostle Paul, a man who became an apostle by way of an encounter. I mean, think about it, right? He got knocked off his ass on the way to Damascus. That's what happened. That's what happened. The Bible uses that language. Don't be offended with me. Be offended with the Bible. 
Paul has an encounter, right? And he becomes an apostle as a result. He sees Jesus, right? That's what happens. Some of you guys will never be able to recover from that, will you? For the rest of the day, you'll just be like, that's it. That's it. That's it. But it's an appropriate response. Even Paul, this great apostle who was amazing previous as far as power goes, he was afraid. I find it interesting that the only people who seem not to be afraid are women in the Bible when they encounter angels. You know, when men encounter angels in the Bible, they fall on the ground like dead men. And then you have women encountering angels, and it's like, here I am, so be it unto me. You know, I'm an ordinary person, but there's some, there is something about the anointing that rests upon the women of God for encounters. And I, women of God, I don't want you to ignore that. Like, you've been graced, you've been blessed, like especially blessed and anointed, appointed for encounters. And could I say as a church and even as a leader, as a pastor, like we want the women to be active in the anointing and what they've seen and what they've, they've heard. Amen. That's why Alice and I pastor together, you know, because when I fall on the ground like a dead man, she's like, here I am. And listen, I can promise you guys that that is 100% accurate in our own lives. It's, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even joking, but why, why, is it a, why does Paul say it's a, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God? Why does he say that? That's an interesting thing to say because, you know, God is love. God is powerful. God is big. He's graceful. He's merciful. Why would it be a fearful thing? Why would the shepherds be afraid if they've seen angels? I mean, here they are. You know, they're, they're seeing this amazing supernatural experience, things that we all say and claim that we want to see. But when they have the encounter, encounters create a question, which is, what does this mean? Because encounters don't happen by accident. God's not up in heaven rolling one of those machines, waiting for your number to come up, and then deciding at random who he's going to meet with. Every encounter comes attached with an assignment. Encounters have been given to you for a purpose, It's like the anointing. The anointing is there for a season and for a reason. And that's one of the attributes of the anointing that you have to remember. I wasn't even prepared to bring those elements out, but they're just, they're coming out, right? So God doesn't encounter you by accident. He encounters you with intention. But when you have an encounter with God, the reason why it's scary is not just because God is big, and he is, but it's scary because your world will never be the same. That's why Paul can say, oh, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Because when you have a supernatural encounter with God, your life will never be the same. Now, you may deny the encounter, but it doesn't change the fact that it happened. And because you've had it, it will put a demand on your life from that point forward. Which is why people can walk around in the world today knowing that there are supernatural activities going on. Knowing that God is real. Knowing that Jesus came, died, and resurrected. But do their best to resist it, look the other way, and ignore it. Because they know if they have an encounter, then their life will be transformed. So much so that they'll have to live differently. Some people, even Christians, don't want to read the Bible Because they don't want to have an encounter with truth because they're afraid of being called higher and having to live differently. Some of us don't pray because we're fearful of what the encounter might mean, what God might say, and what God might ask us to do. 
So we don't engage with God in prayer for fear that he would ask us to become a missionary. Or how about this? Fear that he would ask us to pray for somebody in public. Or fear that he might nudge us and say, hey, man, I want you to serve with legacy kids. And I feel that's a word from the Lord for somebody. And, you know, fear for like, hey, God, might, you might ask me to give. You might ask me to tithe. You might ask me to go above and beyond in 2018 and how I share my faith and preach the gospel. That I'm supposed to come out of my shell of fear and leave the fields of my familiarity and step into a place of going with haste. And obeying the encounter that I've received. I know I'm just an ordinary person. But I've had an extraordinary encounter. They're fearful. They say, man, I'm afraid. This is, this is scary. It is a little scary. It is a little scary to have an encounter. Because once you have an encounter, you can't go back. Once you have an encounter with the real Jesus, you just can't go back. Once you, once you meet Jesus, nothing's ever the same, is it? And, you know, I, I think 2018 for us is going to be an upper room experience. You know why I say that? It's because a lot of us in here, I know you've grown up in church, and I know you've heard a lot of great words. And when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room, it said that they heard the sound of a rushing mighty wind. For most of us in here, we've heard enough. But the next thing that happened is that they saw cloven tongues as a fire resting upon each of them. For some of us, man, it's time for us to stop hearing and start seeing. I don't know about you guys, man, but I've heard the wind long enough. I'm kind of tired of hearing about other people's testimonies. I want to see fire in my own life. I want to see miracles in my own life. I want to have my own angelic encounters. I want to have my own glory encounters. I want to see awesome things happening. Is this okay for you guys this morning? I'm just giving you some of the overflow of my own prayer time this week. I've been really marinating on this passage and just inserting myself into the story and imagining what it may have been like for these ordinary shepherds who are just on their job, just doing their normal, just doing their routine. And then all of a sudden, God burst into their ordinary with an extraordinary encounter. It's natural that you should be afraid. In fact, you should be a little afraid. What might God ask you to do? Where may God send you if you stop saying no to him? What could happen if you kicked off 18 and said, this is going to be a year of obedience? And, you know, slow obedience is no obedience. Right? The Bible tells us, man, man should not live on bread alone, but by every word the King James says, proceedeth. Right? Because the word's always proceeding. You can't, you know, store manna in the fridge. It goes bad overnight. So if you're trying to live off of a word for yesterday, you might not be current with the Spirit. That's why it's so important for us to be immediately obedient to what God asks us to do. And they went in haste. Imagine if they would have waited a month. They would have missed the encounter and the opportunity that they had to see Jesus in the manger. I don't know about you guys, but I want to see the face of Jesus. Well, how many of us have missed Jesus by five minutes because we were slowly obedient? 
How do you know that what God called you to do, he didn't have something for you to see, you just obeyed slowly? Well, God said I was going to have that encounter, and I didn't. Well, you shouldn't have waited five weeks before you went. <laughs> Is this good? If it's good, you got to tell me, because I don't know. I'm just going for it. Fear not. You know, what's interesting is that shepherds were encountered, and uh, they became afraid. It's one of the things about encounters as well, is that even shepherds, even pastors, even leaders, get taken down back to base level with an encounter. What does this mean? I am afraid. It doesn't matter if you're big or you're small in the kingdom, an encounter will humble you. Doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, all of us in front of God have the same posture. Face down. Humbled. Afraid. What does this mean? And that's why when we get arrogant, it simply suggests that it's been a while since our last encounter. When we get puffed up, right? It simply suggests that it's been a while. Since we've been in the glory. Because knowledge puffs up, but the glory humbles. Fear not. This is a good message. I'm going to listen to this podcast myself. <laughs> you know, the, and then the angels, the angels, they say, fear not. And, and uh, Alice and I, we go to marriage counseling every week. Every week we do that. And it's not because we're in hot water. It's because we want to be vulnerable in front of each other with some help. And I'd recommend any couple to do that. And uh, one, our, our marriage counselor, he does this thing where he says, you know, emotions happen to you. And as I, as I recalled, you know, what he shares with us every week, I thought, how can the angels say, fear not? They didn't invite the fear. You know, they didn't want to be afraid. You scared them. You know, so how can you tell them? Fear not. It's not like they wanted to be scared, you know. But I find that very interesting that God in the Bible actually tells us not to fear 365 times. Yeah, did you guys know that? That God actually speaks to humanity and says, fear not 365 times throughout the Bible. An encouragement for every day. That there's not one day in your life that's appropriate for fear. You know, I know every now and then we think, oh, well, this is an appropriate day for fear because it's been going bad. This might be an appropriate day for fear because I got fired from my job. This might be an appropriate day for fear because I got in a fight with my wife. No, God says there's not one single day. I've actually got them all covered, 365, even leap year two. We've got it all covered that there's not an appropriate day for fear. And that's what the angels are communicating. He's saying it's, it's, it's not that you'll never be afraid but that you don't need to. Because when you're walking with God, you have everything that you need to set fear aside. And when he says fear not, the very next thing he says is, because I've got good news. And that's the reason why we don't have to fear. Is because good news has come into the world. The gospel of love, the gospel of joy has come into the world. And it's not that, you know, the angels were trying to render fear with the encounter. It's that they were trying to replace fear with the gospel. When you get encountered, it's not that God's trying to render fear. 
He's trying to replace fear with the gospel. And, and when the angels descended and, and when the angels come up, they said, fear not. And it's interesting in the Greek because in the way in which the shepherds would have heard it, it's the word phobio, which is where we get our word phobia, right? You guys all know that word. I have a phobia. I have arachnophobia. I'm afraid of spiders. You know, I know my wife has that fear and because uh, I kill bugs in our house. That's my job. It's my husbandly duties. Uh, but, you know, phobio, this word, you guys know what it actually means? So it's very interesting. It means to withdraw. It means to turn around and retreat. That's what the word means, phobio. I mean, think about when you see something you're afraid of, you jump back, you withdraw, right? And so when the angel says, fear not, he's saying, hey, don't phobio, right? Don't withdraw. That's what he's saying. He's saying, don't withdraw. So oftentimes the reason why we don't actually go to the next level in God is because instead of allowing the encounter to help us lean in, we withdraw and say, I can't handle those changes. I can't handle that transformation. I can't deal with that kind of lifestyle. I mean, I'll read the Bible. I'll go to church. I'll warm the bench, but I can't get that engaged. I can't be that active. What would I have to give up to go that far with God? You know, the further you go with Jesus, the more things you have to give up. It's so true because God will ask you to consistently vacate the idols in your heart. Because the throne in there is only big enough for one guy. And his name is Jesus. So he's saying, hey, don't withdraw. Don't withdraw. Hey, don't withdraw. I've got good news. And he says, here's what the gospel is. The Savior's born. And because the Savior has been born... Joy is here. Joy is here. And then get this. He says, and it's good news for all of humanity. And that, see, that's the thing about an ordinary person having an extraordinary encounter. Is that you, me, ordinary people, when we have encounters, we become God's messengers for all of humanity. And so this word joy, let me, let me dive into it just for two more minutes. Can I have two more minutes of your time? Okay, maybe five, but you guys know that's a preacher trick. But what's interesting is that joy here, it's the Greek word um, kara, right? Kara or shara. I think it's kara. I should have wrote how to alliterate that, but I think it's kara. And it, it does mean what we think it means, right? Gladness, joy, gladness, joy, which is great. But here's what's interesting about kara. It is actually, when you translate it, you guys are not going to believe this. It means grace recognized. That's what, it, that's what the word actually means. It means grace recognized. Joy means grace recognized. And what I've noticed is, is that in my own life, when I'm struggling to live in joy, it's when I'm refusing to recognize grace. It's when I'm oblivious to the grace that's actually operating around me. And I sulk and I'm sad and I'm depressed and I'm oppressed and I'm mean and I'm angry and I'm hateful. And it's not because grace isn't there. It's because in fear, I'm refusing to recognize it. 
in fear, I'm withdrawing from the encounter. But what the encounter has invited me to do is simply to recognize grace. Hey, I know you're afraid, but don't be. Not because you shouldn't be, but because you don't have to be. Because there's no need to withdraw, but lean in and recognize grace. Because this is the key to living in joy. Recognize the grace. There's grace all around you. And if you can't think of anything else that you could recognize as being God's gift from above to you, simply think about the cross. Because that's always a point to return to, to recognize grace. That when Jesus Christ was hung high and spread apart, beaten, bruised, opened up and bled out for each and every one of us so that we could be forgiven by way of great mercy of all of our sins, guilt and shame. In that moment, he didn't just release his spirit, but he released an eternity of joy. For all of us to walk in. The abundant life that has been promised. For all of us to receive. That we wouldn't spend one day retreating. That we wouldn't spend one day withdrawing. But that we would spend every day recognizing. That there is grace in our life. We're breathing air. We have food to put on our table. We have a house to live in. It may not be the house we dream of. It may not be the food that we imagine. But we've got it. And we can recognize that grace. And if we will do that consistently enough, then no longer will our portion be fear. But joy will be on the plate that we feast from. Joy to the world. It's for all of humanity. It's not just for you. It's for all of humanity. It's not just for you. It's also for your family. And that includes the person you don't like that's going to show up at your family Christmas. I know that third cousin that you had a fight with when you were 12 and a half that you really don't want to see anymore. You know, you have joy that they need. How many of you guys know that for some people, you're the only Bible they read? You're the only encounter with Jesus that they've had. And you have been commissioned because you have been encountered. The encounter wasn't by accident. The encounter you had five years ago, eight years ago, 18 years ago, 28 years ago. However it was that God burst into your ordinary. Whenever that was, I want you to know that it wasn't by accident. But that God had a plan and he saw you, an ordinary person. And he said, I want that person. I want him. I want her. I want Philip. I want Ben. I want Chris. I want, I want them. I want them. And that's the very essence of our faith is that God comes to us. That's the first element of Christianity is that we're so desired by God that he comes to us before we could ever repent. God doesn't wait for us to become exceptional before he gives us an encounter. But he takes ordinary people and he turns them into extraordinary, anointed, and appointed messengers to share the joy that has hit their heart with the rest of humanity. This is our assignment. And I want to ask you, will you go in haste? That's what I want to ask you. Shepherds, leaders, will you go in haste because you've had an encounter to become an encounter so that other people have encounters. I want to ask you to stand. We're going to pray. You know, uh, sometimes when I'm preaching certain topics, I, uh, 
can't help but to think about them in the middle of the night. I don't know what that's about. I don't know if it's just excitement, if it's revelation. I don't know what it is. But uh, so funny, about 2 o'clock in the night last night, I, I woke up and, and I don't know why. Remy was crying. I could hear in the monitor. Isaiah was crying. I could hear him in the crib. And, and I woke up and I, I got hit with fear. I was like, why do I feel fear? You know, I, I know, I know that I'm safe. And so I went and got Isaiah and he wanted to come in bed with us. And we secretly like that. And uh, so we're, you know, we're kind of hanging out in there. And I'm, I'm thinking about, man, I just, just I, I, I hate fear. You know, like I, I just despise fear in every arena of life. If it's unjustified, as it was for me last night for whatever reason, or it's absolutely, seemingly appropriate, like a real-life circumstance that you're really afraid of. I want you to know that joy has come. It's time to recognize grace. And as I laid back to sleep and... uh, Woke up a few hours later, this time more excited about preaching. I think it was about 4, 4.30. I felt like the Holy Spirit just whispered to me. He said, you know, most of Jesus' life was just ordinary. He didn't hear anything about him. He's born, have a little mini story when he's 10, 12, very short. You don't hear from him again until he's 30 years old. For some of us, I think we get really down on ourselves because we're not living the extraordinary lives that people pretend to on Instagram. And we're just in line at Kroger, you know, and you're like, my life is so boring. I'm so ordinary. Look at that person. They're on vacation again. blogger mail they always get I wish I got those free clothes (laughs) I'm ordinary can I tell you that God loves to encounter ordinary people in fact all throughout the word he used all ordinary people and that his son was born in an ordinary time and the first people he notified were ordinary shepherds he was raised by ordinary parents and he was crucified for that time in an ordinary way but God is going to take you ordinary person in the midst of your ordinary circumstance and he's going to use you for an extraordinary purpose just close your eyes real quick Lord we pray And we thank you for an extraordinary encounter. There's angels in the place this morning. And the glory of God is here. And we receive the joy. We recognize the grace. We are extraordinary by way of encounter thank you Father if you're here today and you want to meet Jesus for the first time you know you need to come home and you want to be saved I just want to invite you while every eye is closed just lift up your hand and do it with haste
If you want to come back home and you're like, I've been far from God, and today is your day of deliverance, just in haste, just lift up your hand. We're going to pray for you real quick. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. I see you. Wonderful. Awesome. So, hey, could we all, could we all right now pray together and just say, Jesus, joy to the world. I see you. And I repent of my sin. And I recognize your grace. Fill me with the Spirit. And send me with haste. (laughs) Awesome. Everyone say amen.